What's up, everybody? This is Resident Daryl from the Loot Bros Podcast, and I want to invite you to our very special 12-hour gaming stream we are hosting to raise money for the March of Dimes. The event will be held April 18th from noon to midnight Eastern time at twitch.tv slash the Loot Bros Podcast. We would love for all of the support you can give. Even if you can't donate, please join us as we'll be playing video games for 12 hours, completing various dares and challenges, and recording the Loot Bros Podcast live on the stream. We look forward to seeing you there, and again, that is April 18th from noon to midnight Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash the Loot Bros Podcast. Listeners, and welcome to episode 55 of Push to Plat. We are approaching the Easter long weekend here in Australia and America. I hope you can spend some quality time with your family, despite all the all the pressures and all the craziness that is going on around the world today. Now it is my pleasure to be joined today in a casual conversation, I believe, with returning guest Lawless Lama. How are you today, sir? Good, CJ. How are you? I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm fantastic. And Joe, my co-host here joining me today. Cool kid, Joe. How are you, Joe? Yeah, just like Jeebus. Uh, I came back to the show, <laughs> rose up from the dead. <laughs> You're going to bring some Xbox love here today because we, we have been a little bit one-sided since your last visit. So you, you can balance us out a little bit, I think. But why don't we start off? Let's jump straight into games here, listeners. And we've got, we've got a fantastic thing to kick us off. I know Joe has been anticipating this game. He's over anything that goes for five minutes as you know the poorer the quality the better and and joe i'm talking here of the fantastic the finally fantastically released sharknado opinions what do we think who is on this it looks awful (laughs) what are you talking about it's the game of the year it looks so bad i watched the trailer like literally two minutes before we started recording and like they shoot a shark with a shotgun and it just breaks up into like cubic shapes it's what happens in the movies and you got like Four or five of those, I think. I don't know. There's six. Oh, I okay. think so they've expanded. There was a trailer for the sixth movie when I was looking up the trailer for the VR game. There might be seven, honestly. I don't even know. They're straight to TV, so. I'm not sure where they could go after space, but you know what? I'm sure they'll figure it out somehow. So this Sharknado is also a VR game, which makes this even more impressive joke. Can you can you see yourself playing this in VR? I bought a PSVR headset, and uh, I played like Resident Evil for like 10 minutes, and uh, that was about it. Oh, and I played some Creed as well. Might be a more enhanced experience. You never know. Yeah, I just, these, these sort of experiences in VR terrify me because you can bet it's going to be janky. It's not going to be smooth. It's just going to be, it's going to be mandatory to play this thing with a bucket beside you. It's just, just intense, but, yeah. <laughs> but look, at least it's only like, I think it's eight or $9 US. So, so it's not through the roof for a VR game. So if you, if you do give it a try, listeners, you'll, you'll have to, you'll have to let us know, but look, why don't we shift across to some, some more serious matters here? Well, look, I suppose they're serious. And this new PS5 controller, the DualSense, has been revealed. What do you reckon, Llama? I actually, 
it interests me. It's got some features that I, I really think will work well for the new system. Um, I'm partial on how it looks with just a dual color scheme. So you have obviously the majority of the controllers white and then the other portion is black. I think it would look kind of better in reverse and have the, the logo a uh, stark white in contrast or something like that just to give it that extra pop that it needs. Um, but for me, I mean, I'm happy with the news that it's going to have an audio jack for me that I don't have like a pair of iPods or some wireless headset that I could use for it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more of a headphones person, so that's good for me at least. And then also uh, learning about this new type of feedback system they're having and new triggers is I think is going to uh, hopefully enhance uh, some of the games that they can or some of the features in the games that they're bringing up in the new system. Just They just got to utilize it well. Yeah. So what do you think, Joe? You're, you're over these sort of controllers, you know, these Microsoft controllers, these elite controllers, these custom controllers. What do you think of this Starship Trooper uh, style controller here? You're going to be all over this thing? So um, I am not a big fan of the color scheme. And um, another thing, uh, it looks like the shape of like an Xbox One controller or a um, like a Nintendo Switch Pro controller, which... No, like, I mean, that's the way it's shaped. So I like the way it's shaped a lot better because I feel like it'll fit in my hands better. The PS4 controller is a very usable controller for mm -hmm. me, but I don't think I think there's much, much room for improvement on like shape, which I think this mm -hmm. will take care of it. Uh, another thing that I um, saw, I might be nitpicking here a little bit, but um, we're talking about the triggers, which that they finally have like vibration in the triggers which is fantastic, especially if developers utilize it, because uh, it definitely makes a difference on the uh, Xbox One when you play, like, Forza, and, like, you accelerate, and the more you accelerate, you can feel it vibrate in your finger. Mm. Like, that's fantastic. But um, I noticed that, um, like, the PS4 controller, the triggers curve inward, and on the PS5, the DualSense, it looks like they reverted back to the outward curve, kind of like the PS3 triggers had. And I don't think I'm going to be a fan of that because I, you know, like you, you pull too hard on it. Your fingers slide, might like slide off a little bit because I had that issue with the PS3, which is one of the reasons I don't like the controller. Mm -hmm. That and it feels atrocious in my hands. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I agree with you, Lama. I like the audio jack as well because I use wired headphones uh, for, the, mm -hmm. for the most part. The ironic thing is I use Sony wired headphones, but they don't have, <laughs> they have Bluetooth <laughs> capability, but not with the PS4, which is fantastic. Uh, but I don't know why yeah. that is. But anyway, you know, <clears throat> one arm not talking to the other there, obviously. But one thing I noticed about them being white, I don't know, maybe, maybe you keep a clean house, so it's not a problem for you too, but I actually got a white PS4 and it's relatively clean here, but things get dusty and stuff. And it is amazing how quickly it goes a bit off color. And I'm thinking with a white controller, I don't know, always touching it. That's what I was thinking about too. If it's super, super stark white, like polar white, you're going to notice when something is either smudged on it, or I think I was in a a chat with somebody on the PSN before and they're like, I mean, I guess I can't have Doritos anymore while I'm playing because it's just going to turn all <laughs> orange and look all disgusting. And mm. I mean, fair point to him, but still <laughs> that's something you got to take into consideration as well. So if they, if they did release maybe like a one that's black or something like that, I think that'd probably be the one that I'd go for personally. The launch 360 controllers are white and I never really had like an issue with those like discoloring or anything like that. And I mean, 
you know how much I game, so. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, I have a question, though, for you, Joe. Sony seems determined to avoid, you know, like a skew of controllers like Xbox has done with the Elite controllers. I mean, the the only options at the moment are really third-party controllers for, for PlayStation. They, they won't endorse uh, or make, make an Elite controller. So what do you think about that? You mean just like this as being their only controller? Well, I think this is going to be the only controller if, if it's anything to do with the past. And I, I really think they're missing out on a market there. I mean, you, you play, you know, you've said before you play on the Elite Controller and then the Elite Controller 2. Would you, if they did make a SKU and actually officially endorsed, you know, a modified controller, I suppose, by a PlayStation, would that interest you or not particularly? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I considered getting one of those um, those scuff ones that are, like, licensed by PlayStation that they sell at GameStop, hmm. but they're... $200 and it's just like I don't know if I'm going to like it. See, it's a lot easier for me to commit to something like an Elite controller when uh I don't pay for it. <laughs> that's, that's Fair point. See, I would ask you here Lama because I have an Elite controller as well and I have a, a third-party PlayStation controller and it, predominantly they're good for my understanding is for, for mm. shooting games particularly online shooting because of the way you can button map and and turbos and things like this you play these sort of games would you find an advantage in this type of a feature in a controller or not particularly uh what particular feature well like being able to remap the buttons you know to to create loops on the controller or you know turbo certain buttons or combinations yes I think it would be good for some of the the more grindy titles that I have like I know in the last one I talked about my experience with super barman and having that long grind and everything like that. And I mean, right now I have a, a turbo controller for that, but um, it would be nice to have like just some way where I don't have to physically tape the buttons down while I go to bed to let it grind out in the background. Um, and I know that you're going to have to be careful either way. Cause obviously if somebody remaps it, you're going to have to make sure that there's a way that they can get back to the original mapping. Um, Cause I know, I mean, I don't have kids, but if somebody did, their their son or their daughter comes into the room and is like, well, I'm going to change all these buttons. And imagine going back and starting up a game and you're like, what happened here? So that would be something that I would be interested in seeing them implement for sure is like a feature to do some sort of boosting with the controller or to hold down buttons or even just to remap buttons to something that is a little bit more helpful. Because um, I know there's mm. games that I'm like, wow, I really wish that button or that melee I think that's a good example, actually. Um, every single time I play Call of Duty or something else, and this is probably my own inadequacy at the game, not necessarily uh, something of the game on its fault, but I always like panic melee for some reason by clicking in one of my analog sticks, and I really wish it was just another button, and maybe there is a feature for that, and I just have completely missed it. But I know that there's times when I'm, even when I'm streaming, I'm like, wow, really? Because I panic and I hit the melee, and I'm like, the guy's, 20 feet away from me that's obviously not going to do anything uh, unless the air somehow kills him in between uh, us two but um that's a thing i see you're familiar with my play style yeah <laughs> it works if you're in a small map just not battlefield you know miles no, in between no. people uh, i was going to ask though what do you guys feel about the new light bar positioning because i know that's not necessarily this large chunk at the front of the controller now it's more on the outside or the kind of skimming the edges of the touch bar well Look, my opinion is, why do you even need it? I I don't understand, but I'm not sure. Do you do you yeah. do you like do you feel it's actually necessary or it's just some sort of gimmick? I think it's more of a gimmick. I don't really see what kind of help that would be. I mean, maybe if 
I know some games on the PS4 have mapped it to where your health is directly correlated to the light bar. So obviously, if you're about to die, I think Resident Evil 2 did that. I could be wrong, the remake, but it's you know green when you're at full health, it's red when you're not. But I mean, there's clear indicators on the screen, so I think it's more just a gimmick. I'm not really sure. Adds a little bit of class. Yeah, but I mean, like if you're if it's on the other side mm-hmm. of the controller, you can't even see it anyway. You can see through the reflection in your TV monitor. That's yeah. <laughs> the crux of the problem is if you're playing some sort of horror game and it's dark, you got all the lights off, and you see the stupid, you know, blue or green or whatever mm-hmm. red it's it's being on the the screen, it's really annoying. So I know I have a friend that is colorblind and he can't see orange and green, so I'm sure that he wouldn't have a problem with some of those games. Uh, but uh, for me, that would like you said it'd be kind of annoying like if i'm really into a horror game and i got this bright green light shining on my yes i don't know we'll figure it out i guess um and i think one other thing that i noticed on the controller and i know it mentioned it in a couple of the articles that i looked at but there's no more share button now it's uh, instead called create Mm. which i mean technically it's i think it's supposed to be the same function i don't think there's any functional difference between the two but I guess they don't want you to share anymore. No, well, look, they've paid someone a lot of money to come up with the word create their overshare. So <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to acknowledge that. What I'm interested in personally, too, is the weight of this controller. It's a good shape. I'm mm. hoping I can get a good heft with that as it goes across the room through the air. But we'll see. The only other thing <laughs> I, I'm interested in addressing on this is it's wonderful that they showed the controller, but still not the console. What, did, you, did you think maybe, maybe the console would come before the controller or should the controller come before the console? I was thinking we would get something before just a controller. I mean... It's cool, I guess, because it gives you at least a little bit of insight into maybe some of the things that they're doing. But my um my question is, how much is that light you know, bar going to affect the battery? I was gonna question the battery life in general, because uh, we don't even know that. Yeah, did they put the switch battery in it or the Elite Two contro- <laughs> battery in it? Because if it has that, it should be fantastic. Like those, the Switch Pro controller, you charge that thing up to full, it'll last you like a whole month. It's it's ridiculous. The other thing that I noticed, um. If you like look at it, like the the black mm-hmm. part of it, like it looks like it, like the white overlaps part of the black. Like, the, do you see what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a um, like a little, like a little bit of like mm-hmm. a layered thing going on there. And I'm kind of curious how, like, does that wrap around onto the back? As far as like the color scheme too, though, with that white control in particular, I think it would look a little bit nicer, at least on the black portion, if that PlayStation logo right in the middle was white instead of black. I think that would help maybe make it pop a little bit more. But obviously, that's gonna that's more nitpick. Thing. I feel like there's tons of potential for like special edition controllers too for this, and like different colors and stuff like that. Like this base one is fine. Is that even black? It looks like 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 a very no like like to me it looks like a very dark blue well all that we can be sure of is the most exciting thing for playstation at the moment is the controller which says a lot i feel but you know at least we'll be able to talk about that for a few months while we we hide the fact that none of their games will be hitting release dates anytime soon so baby steps baby steps steps indeed so so why don't we why don't we move across to some games that we've been playing and should we should we start with you, Alam? What have you been up to? All right. So I've been going back, I think, since last time I've gotten quite a lot done. Um, I don't know if I had finished Fury by the time that we I was on last time, uh, but that was kind of the latest game that I was like, okay, I'm going to just go back and get that done. Um, I know you and me talked a little bit about Dead or Alive, so I finished Dead or Alive 5 and 6, and 
I've gone back uh, and done a little bit more of the Battlefield 1. So I did last weekend, I got together with a group of like five or six people and we just kind of uh, were working on some of the trophies, trying to get some lobbies going for people to join. I know I'm going to be getting that done this upcoming weekend, so I'm excited about that. Killing Floor 2 is now done, so I'm really excited about that. I got the Drive Club Platinum. And right now, the biggest game that I'm working on uh, consistently has been Trackmania Turbo, which is awesome, but it's taking a lot of time to practice and just kind of get down with it. Um, so we'll we'll get there eventually. Okay, well, we're going to dive into that a little bit. I like that you're very succinct there. It's fantastic. But you've listened before. You know I dragged this out for, for ages. So we're going we're gonna, oh, to yeah, dive in here. Now, it's rare for me and Joe to see 1.55% on anything. So I see here this Fury has that number. So my question to you is, is this mm -hmm. game legitimate hard or is it just like bullshit at that percentage? I think anybody with enough practice and with enough focus could get this done. The boss fights, especially on the lower difficulty, like compared to the second difficulty, which is Furier, because the game basically has you go through it once, you unlock the harder difficulty, and then you can fight the bosses. And they're a little bit faster. They're, they have some of the same patterns with some new moves and everything like that. I think it's just so low, though. I think it had been on PlayStation Plus, so that might have been a, a huge surge of people trying it out at least a little bit. And I know it can go on the store for quite cheap. It's not that expensive. Um, but it's really one of those games where I think if you practice and you just take your time, you can get it done. Two of the lower trophies on that list are like the speedrun based trophies for beating the developer's time. And then you have like the combat designer and you have to beat his time. Uh, but I cleared that with almost 30 minutes extra. And it gives you a practice mode, which is really helpful because you can go back in and you could play a couple of the different bosses to, to get some of it done. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very skilled gamers. Uh, so they'd probably have an easier time at it than I did because I had to take a break and then come back to it and uh, just practice it a little bit. I think with any determination. He called us skilled. Well, no, Joe, he said our listeners, which I was sort of taken aback for a second, oh, you know. Yeah. But it could be. They could be skilled. Yeah. It's definitely possible. <laughs> well, was it enjoyable, though? I mean, you know, it, I can see that it took some time, so mm. it's, it's definitely a big slog of a game. Was it enjoyable as well? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean... I, you know, I'm very optimistic about most of the games that I play. Uh, there's very few that I'll be like, nah, I hated that. But Fury for me was perfect. Uh, there's not a bunch of like in-game cutscenes. Uh, you can skip pretty much all of them. As far as the campaign, uh, when you're playing through, you do have like these kind of walking sections, but uh, those kind of give you, I think of it almost as like just a, a point where you can just relax a little bit and get ready mentally for the next fight that you go into. Um, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. And the the fighting, although there's a couple moves that I'm kind of like, mm, you can clear every boss without getting hit if you're skilled enough. Um, and you just learn the patterns and it makes you feel awesome while you're playing it. So I think that's just a perfect combination that you could get out of a game regardless. Okay. Now I want to ask you, because we were, we were actually talking, I remember on the, the PlayStation then when you were doing this boost for the Dead or Alive 5, I, my question predominantly is just about the method and, and finding one another. I know that that's an issue. Can you just talk a little to that? And for someone setting out about to do that this way, this is Dead or Alive 6, I should say, sorry. You know, how long is that roughly going to take with two people and, and setting up and stuff? Um, so Dead or Alive 6 is probably going to take you about, I want to say somewhere between like three, four hours, depending on how consistent you are with the person that you're playing with and how fast you can kind of get the matches to go. And Dead or Life 5 was 
it was fun, but also I think the multiplayer was a lot easier in Dare Alive 5 because Dare Alive 6 has a different method of like getting these trophies done. Um, so for our listeners, Dead or Alive 6 has ranked matches. All the multiplayer trophies are based around these ranked matches. And in Dead or Alive 5, you had to play matches, but you could set up a private lobby and just play someone uh, over and over and over again to get those 100 matches that you needed and everything out of the way. However, when they released Dead or Alive 6, uh, it wasn't quite finished. It was missing some features. And so they took out the lobby mode. And so really all you can do is for Dead or Alive 6, the strategy that you want to use is you want to get on uh, you'll go in and you'll hit ranked match and then it'll give you a couple different settings that you can kind of choose. Uh, for example, your NAT uh, type selection. So you have like four plus, five plus. Um, you might need to alternate it back and forth, but me and the person that I grinded with my good friend, Mutt, uh, we did the five plus five and we set it to, we're in the kind of the same region of the US. So that was helpful to be able to connect a little bit faster. Um, but you find the match, um, if you're communicating, that's probably the best thing because then you can pull up like, oh, I got a match. Did you get a match? And if you both say you got a match at the same time, then you got matched with each other and that's perfectly fine. Um, and then you get in. You can only play up to about three victories. So what we did was we did an alternating win system. So, for example, your regular ranked match will end when one person gets two victories and then it'll kick you back out to the lobby. And two victories means you win two complete games each game consists of three rounds so if i were to win one it would uh if we were grinding this out i would win one complete game we'd hit rematch cj you would win a complete game and then we rematch and then i would win again and then we swap so it was kind of like this two one two next round i'm only winning one out of those games yeah it takes a little bit of time uh, i think the thing that was kind of a little disappointing was like with dead or life five since you were in the lobby mode you can enjoy having fun you didn't need to win a certain amount of matches. Uh, you could just enjoy uh, Dead or Alive 6 is more like, okay, you have to win 50 ranked matches, play a, a total of 100 matches. You have to win five ranked games in a row, which was, I can imagine that being a little interesting facing random people on the internet because obviously I'm not skilled at fighting games. As soon as I get to a guy that's a couple ranks above me, uh, I might as well just set down my controller because <laughs> I'm not going to be too effective. But I think if, well, that's another one of those cases where if you have determination, you got this in the bag. Yeah. I know we briefly talked about that trophy. And when I play these sort of games, I deliberately try and play them really early because I know the longer you leave it, the, the more likely you're going to run into highly skilled players because they're going to be the only ones left. And oh, for sure. yeah. yeah, without boosting that five wins in a row could be very dicey these days, depending on who you could mm -hmm. run up against. Yeah. <laughs> you may keep running up against the same guy, which could be brutal. <laughs> but yeah, there was one person I faced, and I was like, yeah, uh, I tried my best, but that isn't happening. No, no, no. it's not fun. Now, look, I've got a, I don't often, I mean, because I don't play these sort of games, so I'm always fascinated with this online, you know, and, and the systems that work here. Now, with this battlefield and stuff, you're explaining, you know, how you were going to potentially have to rent a server to do stuff and this, but then I noticed you've got one trophy left mm. in this game. What's actually involved in this? The revolution is coming. Um, so the revolution is coming, requires you to beat two of the operations that were part of one of the DLCs. And so operations are longer length matches as opposed to something like maybe a conquest match or whatnot. Um, the operations mm. have you kind of playing this weird, it's a weird dichotomy of like attack and defense players. And so the defense people are trying to take over points of interest on the map that are held by the attack. So it's almost like conquest where you're capturing flags, but you have to hold them both at the same time. And the attackers 
are trying to reduce the numbers uh, or no sorry i swapped that somehow uh, the attackers are trying to capture the flags and the defenders are trying to kill the attackers and the attackers have like a certain amount of lives so they might have like 250 but you play it in stages so if we were on defense we kill 250 attackers it goes immediately to the next round but there's another 250 attackers that you have to kill and as defenders you can only get pushed back a couple times the hard thing with battlefield one is since it is considerably older in comparison to maybe some of the newer battlefield titles you don't really have a lot of people playing the conquest matches and i've been trying to get some lobbies set up every once in a while but you'll get maybe six people tops and you need 20 people to start these matches and you wait and you're like finally i got some people we're finally gonna be able to get this started and then one person is like i'm not waiting they leave and then everybody's like well they're not gonna do this so they leave too and then suddenly you're back down to yourself on a lobby um so that was particularly difficult i'm glad i don't have to do any of the weapon grinding anymore i got all most of those unlocked uh, with a friend and uh, we just kind of split the workload between us but those operations are definitely going to take a little bit of time but we'll get them done and have that done finally i have um something to add about that too i don't know if you guys saw this on the uh xbox one for a uh, hardline battlefield mm -hmm. hardline there's some kind of like weird thing with how the uh, save system works where like if i did all the multiplayer achievements like and you sign into my console and there's like a certain way like where you play a game and then you go back to the main menu and then you sign back in or whatever it'll just immediately pop all the multiplayer achievements so you don't have to boost all those kills and weapon grinding and stuff like that oh, wow yeah <laughs> I, I imagine that saves a little bit of time <laughs> now we're starting to see how joe got a million gamer score here listeners. this is this is the real scoop here i didn't even do it <laughs> Seeing, seeing you brought up Hardline there, I have a question because I'm a little more familiar with that game than this one. That has some very obnoxious DLC trophies, the 40,000 kills and things, I believe. Is, uh, I, th I think I'm correct there, I hope so. Uh, is it this bad, the, the weapon grinding, you said you've mainly done that, is it that excessive in this game or not so bad? Oh, no. Uh, most of the guns are quite easy. For I don't have them up right now, but uh, some people made some brilliant guides on the the forums so really shout out to those people because they were the real mvps during this whole grinding process but they made tables with the requirements that you need for each of the guns and most of them are pretty simple they're just like get 15 kills with this gun to unlock this and most of them have two requirements so for example in the second dlc one of the first guns that i did was an assault gun and it was like get 15 kills with this um and then get a certain amount of kills with anti-tank grenades and I was like, okay, I can do that pretty easily. And you just kind of throw them at random flags. Um, there's other more situational-based uh, things that you're going to need to keep in track uh, of. Because, for example, one of the LMGs on that second DLC is like, you need to take down two airplanes with an LMG. And that is very situational. I don't know if you can get that unless you happen to be firing at a, a pilot that isn't doing their job correctly or is just really low on health. And I think there's a couple melee weapons. Yes, there is. There's the naval cutlass and the broken bottle that require some... You, for the broken bottle, you need to be on a certain map and you need to get five kills in one round using these these bottles that you find. Not in one round. You can get the kills over numerous rounds, but if other people are going for that, you need to be conscious of that. And there's another one where it was like you needed to capture a certain amount of flags in a boat. And the boats can be a little slow too, so you really need to be careful with that. Um, but I don't... I would rather do... Battlefield 1 again than Hardline because Hardline's got some pretty interesting long DLC trophies. 
I tell you what, there's a lot going on there from what you just said. You know, I have enough trouble turning on the PlayStation most of the time. So fascinating to hear, yeah. but I'm definitely not going to jump into that, listeners. Now, it's very rare <laughs> we get someone that's played a racing game on here, except for me. Uh, sorry, Lama. I don't know why that is. It just it just seems to be. Now, you've played you've played a big racing game too, this Trackmania Turbo mm. that you, you alluded to here. This is, um, I mean, this is a very difficult game as well. Now, for sure. do you, I mean, the, the, the I found the curve in this game was pretty tough for me. Like, admittedly, I, I didn't put a huge amount of time, but I, I put a fair bit in and I got, I was okay through the silver medals and stuff on the green track, but once even I got to the blue, I, I found it was really kicking up and I know it, it, there's more to come after that. How are you finding mm-hmm. it so far? Because it looks you're, you're a little bit further than I got. You've done the blue, so you must be around the red now heading towards the, the black yeah i'm very blessed i had a good group of people i when i started this game i initially started streaming it and uh one of my administrators for the coffee cove dirt one of my really good friends uh he's platinum this before um and he he was just like just uh put because you can follow ghosts to get certain medals and he's like just put my ghost on and it'll help you learn some of the mechanics and like drift timings and everything that you need um so i think uh, with that and just with some good tips from the people that were in my chat at the time, uh, I was able to get a good grasp of the mechanics and I really enjoy it. Uh, the matches, obviously, when I start getting towards like the black tracks, I know they're going to be like two minutes long, even just for a base one, not even counting the multi-lap uh, tracks. But I think the the game for me has been enjoyable. Uh, I know that I sometimes I just want to try and sit there for hours and uh, grind out as many tracks as possible but i found myself that i've been doing better doing one or two tracks i get to a track that i can't really figure out or the timing's just eluding me uh, for certain drifts or jumps and whatnot take a step back and then i go back into it again later uh, i try not you know obviously i'm i i recognize like this isn't going to happen uh, if i keep trying to play it while i'm frustrated because that's just gonna make me play worse but I think it's really addicting. I haven't, it's been taking me a while because I haven't been stopping until I've gotten the gold medal. And I think I'm on the red tracks now. Uh, I'm stuck on a multi-lap one right now at the moment, but I'm excited to see what the future holds for that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point that you make about the ghosts. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but I mean, one of the things that I loved about this game is it's very fast. Like, as you said, the tracks may eventually get to two oh, yeah. minutes, but but predominantly they're shorter tracks and, uh, one of the problems that I have with games like this is that I like the rally and the circuit game. So often if you make a mistake in a rally course or a circuit, there's enough time to recover overall. But mm-hmm. in a game like this, there's really no, there's no, no, no margin for recovery. No, yeah. But, but then on the flip side, the the reload is, is really quick in this game from memory too, isn't it? So it's mm-hmm. just a matter of restarting, restarting, yes. restarting, which is great. Yeah. It's just a matter of hitting the, the circle button and it sends you right back to the beginning of the track. Um, yeah. And most of the tracks, like I said, are pretty short, so they're not too bad. Um, of course, I, you know, I haven't gotten up to the, the black tracks, but even like what you said with the blue ones, I had to, to stop for a little bit and like just kind of reevaluate and be like, OK, I can't do this right now. I'll come back in a little bit and try and work on that. So I wouldn't give up on that either. I'm sure that you make a lot of progress with that, too. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's a game you come back to because I play, played it ages ago and I thought it was going to be something. I didn't think it was going to be exactly as tough as it was actually when, when it first came through. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's a game that the game that you chip away at. And I mean, the other game that, you know, we'll, we'll move on to you in a second, Joe. I apologize, but it's no, it's fine. we get two we get two racing games. So we, we have to we have to really pad that out. Uh, the Drive yeah. Club is another game. I mean, it's fantastic for chipping away at. I see that you're, you're doing some of the DLC. 
one of the regrets I had with this yeah. game was that I platted it before most of the DLC was out. So I ended oh. up having to do a lot of monotonous grinding of just distance and, mm. and points or whatever. Did you, now I see you've only done a bit of it. Did you have to do that grinding as well or did you just do it through the DLC? I did a good maybe half of it through the DLC. Um, obviously, I haven't, I still got over 15 of the DLC packs to do and I'm slowly chipping away at that every once in a while because I don't want to burn out too much on that. But I'll get there eventually. And then I did the other half, just kind of grinding. I was listening to some podcasts. I was listening to some some music and just kind of sitting there. I did one of the small drift events over and over again to help me kind of get up those accolades because I figured I was close enough. And it was enjoyable. It was a nice break from exams or whatever else was going on in my life at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a CJ. It's a great game. Yes. Drive Club or Forza? <laughs> it's not that good a game, I can tell yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Llama? Are you are you familiar with Forza as well? I've got limited experience with it, but I don't think I can make an informed opinion uh, just based on my limited experience with it. Probably like an hour or two. Yeah, it's still very arcadey. This uh, Drive Club, I think it's not a simulation. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. it's not full arcade either. It's somewhere in the middle, I think. So it's mm -hmm. not as arcadey as Horizon, Joe. But then it's not as as sim as our Forza numbered series. So would you compare it to like maybe Grid? yeah 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 i'm thinking of the new grid actually i like grid a lot mm. yeah in some ways i think it, i mean it's very similar because the grid the the new grid comes with the episode sort of packs and the different races and stuff so yeah with the dlc i think though correct me if i'm wrong Lama, is this still attainable or did they turn the servers off on this i'm i can't keep up with it so right now if you have not gotten a couple of the trophies tied to the online game modes it is now down and it is impossible to grab. So that includes, uh, yeah. there's one for like, I, somebody told me it's unobtainable. I need to check this again. So uh, please correct me if I'm wrong with this, anybody that's listening. But uh, there's one trophy that's like for driving, is it like, was it a million miles or some large number of miles while in a, a club? So I started that at the very beginning because I knew that was going to take a certain amount of time. Uh, there's one for sending a certain amount of challenges as well uh, to somebody else and kind of beating them in those that's no longer available uh, there was a scare for quite a few number of weeks at the beginning of march because something was going on with the servers but someone reached out to them and they uh, managed to fix it in time uh, but those servers shut down march 31st so just a little bit ago yeah dlc is still fully obtainable because it doesn't tie into the the online experience at all but uh, sadly it's a now a bygone era of online drive club yeah i did forget about that that lifer trophy that's right drive at least a thousand miles as a club member which is uh oh it's a thousand yeah okay thank you yeah, yeah it wasn't a million i, I got a million on my brain <laughs> with Bomberman right now. well there so. is a the, the new grid game requires something like a million something insane the the circumnavigation of the earth you have to you have to drive the yeah the circumference yeah. of the earth you have to drive that many Ooh. miles insane. insane i mean now we have a uh, shout out to um the playstation plus games for this month because now you got uh, dirt rally 2 that's right so that's another racing game on top of uh, the ones we've just discussed yeah there's a, a lot of racing at the moment because i mean on the xbox side uh, joe there's the project cars 2 which i think i don't know if you're into the car games joe but that's worth playing that's it's quite good maybe not for the completion but <laughs> for the, the game itself it's quite good. <laughs> yeah i played the first project cars for like a little bit um the second one i bought it the day it came out i don't even think i opened it I don't remember when it came out, but I feel like it came out when there was other stuff and that was like towards the bottom of things I wanted to play. I could be wrong. 
it's worth a it's worth a look. It's worth a look. Now, Joe, why don't we go across then to what you've been you've been playing? <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. To be it's a lot that's not in English as well, my friend. Uh, how's your pronunciation going? <laughs> it's usually pretty okay. Um, so uh, to start off, I got my 300th flat yesterday, and I did uh, Leisure, Round of applause. Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry. Um, game was fantastic. Uh, Mindy wrote an awesome guide for it as well. Did have one issue uh, with the game. None of it was her fault, but the game froze on me. And... Um, I don't know if you guys saw me in the Discord yesterday, but I was kind of bitching about it because uh, there's no autosave in it. <laughs> and it's 2020, and we're still making games that don't autosave. So did this require another playthrough? or See, I got there's a part where you have to make one save where you um, kind of violate a statue. Okay. And um, you... You can um, violate the statue as if it were a woman, or you can uh, violate the statue if it was a man. So I got past that point, so I did kind of have to go back a little bit to that point to get it, and it was like two full pages of her guide I had to go back. So, But like I kind of cruised through it because I, I didn't have to find anything, because like, some of the little things or whatever like that you have to point and click on are like really tiny, like that whistle outside the jail cell or whatever, and I didn't even know like where I was at that part. So, like, I'm looking for this whistle on the screen. I'm like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And it's, like, this tiny little dot. I, I noticed you mentioned made a comment, but I wanted to ask you as well. How do you think this game holds up today? I personally had a lot of fun with it. It um kind of made fun of hipsters for, like, four hours. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, like, people under the age of probably, like, 23 or 24 and under like that's an appropriate game for them because it would probably offend them but like someone my age who's like 32 or uh ucj who's a little bit older you might be fine with it but i don't think it's for a young crowd because uh it could uh rustle some jimmies yeah <laughs> it's it's i agree i played a bit of it and yeah it, i think it does hold up as well but i think you're right it, it appeals to that i mean i don't know if you if you played these games when you were a kid or not joe you may not be quite old enough to have but i remember no. getting one and it you know it came from someone up the street and it was a, like a it was a big thing because we would never have been allowed to play something like that uh you know as kids or whatever and it was a it was like you know yeah i i remember it was like a secretive thing to do so, yeah, listeners you know young listeners don't understand joe because they've had the internet so they're used to closing the door and doing inappropriate things you know with their parents upstairs or whatever but but you know from my generation we didn't have the internet this was the inappropriate thing it came like this this is about as risque as it got yeah there's not many things like that either <laughs> no no there wasn't not at the time but uh it, it's a great thing yeah yeah, that's true. It's a great, great throwback. Yeah. Now I see you're working through The Sims Four. How's that going? Um. So I have never played a Sims game. So I was um I was using a Bill's Guide from Achievement Land to do like some mm. of the trophies, and uh, I was having some issues with it because I don't know how to play The Sims. Like it's a totally new concept to me. So I kind of hit a wall where like I have to actually play the game a little bit, and I'm like. Uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is the, the troubled life of a spam game. <laughs> yeah. You actually actually have to learn what you're doing for once. That 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 yeah. is a, that's a shock <laughs> to the system. <laughs> now I want to ask you about this Warum thing, because I played this the other day too. Do you remember the oh, it's only a couple of days ago? What did you think of this? 
So, War Room is a game where it's uh, 10 minutes for the 100%. There's no platinum. I talked to uh, Alex, who's uh, Black Vulture 2K16, about it. He was the one that told me how easy it was. He's like, yeah, you just click the screen and you get 100%. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, I was playing it, but I was kind of like trying to pay attention to it. And I just imagine that it's like, you just did like all the acid and like, I didn't give you guys any of the acid. And I was like, oh, let me develop a game real quick. Um, this would be the end result. That's very, a very good description. Yeah. It's yeah. Like I didn't save any of it for you guys. It's just like, I did it all myself. I was trying to figure out when I was playing, whether it was a tech demo or what it was, but it was just absurd. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. But yeah, look, look, you're right. It's easy. Now, what else would you like to throw out there? Um, I played the EU stack of uh, It's Spring Again, which is awesome. Hang on a second. Literally... You, you're using the word play very liberally there, Joe. <laughs> I am. No, because you just hit the, the autoplay button and uh, it just goes through the whole game and you don't have to do anything. Like literally anything. It's fantastic. Uh, Lama must just be disgusted at this point, I think. He's just like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking positive thoughts like always. So it's okay. I mean, I didn't go up almost 40 levels by playing games like he's playing. No, that's true. That's true. But yeah, slowly but steady is the, the, the motto with my account. Yeah. I'll get there. This It's Spring Again is is cross is two stacks, isn't it? Am I right in remembering that? Yes. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, NA and EU. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you looked at my profile, but uh, there's a lot of visual novels on there. Yeah, there is. There is. Now, one thing I'm going to ask you that's not on your profile, although you're probably being engaged, engaging more with it than most of these games that you play, uh, is the Tiger King. Now, I understand you've watched this all on Netflix. Is that correct? Yeah, that show is fantastic. It really is, isn't it? I took I took your recommendation, and I've, I'm about three episodes in, and obviously we won't, won't go into it because I know it's already come out new for people. But it's fantastic, isn't it? My question to you is that is is that what it's really like in America? Um, not here, but um, in that part of the country, probably. Um, it's just insane. It's just like I'm like I'm watching like everything unfold, and it's just like I can't even believe that it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and it's like weird. everything. Every episode is just something new and ridiculous. Mm, 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 mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this series or not, Llama, the uh, Tiger King or whatever. Is it just called Tiger King? It's like, yeah, I think I've seen mm. the memes uh, and I've seen a mm. couple interviews with the people that were behind helping with the production. And one of them kind of baffled me. I don't know what was going on. I know it was sort of style or maybe it was from the people that made the documentary for SeaWorld with the killer whales mm. i think it was the same people um yeah can we um can we talk about like all the layers of inception in that tv show because <laughs> um yeah so like yeah so um joe exotic has um a zoo and then he's filming a youtube series for the zoo and then he has a documentary crew that's documenting the filming of the youtube series for the zoo and then they have the netflix series there that's documenting 
the documentary crew that's documenting the YouTube series for his zoo. That's fine. That's fine. And it, and it's all. How can you all... say that five times fast now? That's the that's the question. And it's it's all overarching as a cult as well with all these young women that never leave. It's just fantastic. And and Peter is sponsoring the other woman's zoo, who's basically partaking in the same forms of animal, you know, <clears throat> cruelty potentially. Uh, it's just fantastic. It, it really is only in America, though. We, we were watching it last night, and it, it's absurd. It's fantastically absurd. It's an adventure. It really is. It's worth watching, I think. <laughs> I don't know. They're, um, they're filming another episode for it now. I have heard this. So it doesn't actually end when it ends. Okay. Well, I thought it ended, but apparently I was wrong. Keeping you in suspense. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, look. That's how look, they reel you in. <laughs> the the reason I bring it up is it's it, it, because it is an absurd story, listeners, that drags you in, and I find I'm in now much the same position myself with these Death Stranding. It's it's an absurd it's absurd, Lama and Joe. I don't know if I, don't, I know Joe doesn't have much interest in this game at the moment. I've heard him talk to it, but mm. Lama, do you have any interest in this game at all? Uh, yeah, I definitely know that I want to pick it up for myself. It looks pretty interesting. I've seen plenty of gameplay. It's just uh, you know. I haven't had the money to pick it up. Uh, it's still pretty pricey, so I'm sure one of these days I will. But I I can see that it be is one of those games that uh it's a little bit mind boggling. I'm sure. Yeah, it it's hard. It's a sort of game I think that you really need to focus on perhaps not play anything else, mm. which is, is difficult for me. And it's the sort of game where I've done big sessions in it to move. Not, like the... not dilute the experience. Yeah. Cause there is a lot going on and there's a lot of filler between the story, like a, you know, fetch questies sort of stuff you have to do. So, you know, potentially can take, you know, maybe like three or four hours. It's not massive, but if you're spreading it over days, the, the narrative thread becomes disjointed, I feel, but, one of the things I was thinking about is like each, and I'm obviously not going to spoil it here because I'm about halfway through now, is mm. it, it's very literal. Like the characters' names basically describe what the story cutscene of it is going to be, which it, it, like that sounds mm. fine until you get into the game. And, and again, I don't want to say the names to ruin it, but it, it's just, you, you're sort of there. It's very much like the Tiger King and you, you're drawn in and then, you know, there's a music, a theme, a play, like everything is there for a purpose, most definitely, I feel. And mm-hmm. it's just, you're like, this is just ins- absurd. Is this for real or, or not? And, you know, someone, a few people have mentioned now, like, do you think Kojima's just trolling you? And I look, I really do think that at times because the, the, the <laughs> way, for right. yeah, the way the quest system works is it'll get you to track all the way across to the map to pick something up. And then the very next quest you pick up makes you go all the way back again. So it, it's not like a, a variation even sometimes. <laughs> and, and it's quite a slog sometimes to get there over the mountain. So you're like, now I have to do all that again. So but yeah, the thing that interests me with this game, though, is I was having a look at the percentages and only, and I'm not, not basing this on the, the PSN profiles percentage because of the people that tend to finish their games, but just on the general <laughs> Sony percentages. Yeah, and, and only 28% of people finish this game. I know, like, it's always, you know, there's always a drop off, not, you know, not everyone finishes their game, but I find that it's a very low percentage. And I find that sad because I, I think the story is quite interesting. I just think the filler stuff is, is, is a killer around it and i just the more i play like i will finish it as I, i've said here that mr scottish knew but mm. the the more i play it and i know lama you finish your games so so you know you you if you start i tried to yeah, yeah. you'll finish it but i know joe joe bounced off it and it's a shame joe i think because the story is really good but i just think that the stuff in between it is is just not <laughs> not great unless you're yeah my that. attention span is uh pretty trash potatoes so 
Yeah, I'm just not even sure the reward is there with the other stuff. Like, I mean, it's fetch quest based like JRPG, you know, but the leveling system is a little strange because you're not really engaging in enemy fights. So, you know, you're not not feeling yourself get stronger like you do in an RPG or or a JRPG. And, you know, I mean, in a way it's not gated. So you you can just move from quest to quest, which is, you know, is good or whatever. But yeah, I I don't know. And there is a lot of there's a lot of like little cut scenes as well in amongst the main story stuff, but it becomes so, so hard to, to keep that thread, I suppose. So I don't know. The only tip would be, I suppose, you know, if you're, if you're a hardcore gamer, this is probably perfect because you, you can bash through the story nonstop. But if you're not, mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a shame because I have a feeling uh, to be honest with you, I think the first three chapters were a real stretch. If you could make it past that, I think it gets quite good. One thing I wanted to ask you though, and I'm, I'm treading carefully here because I don't want to spoil it. 90% of this game plays on a, on on one mechanic of this, you know, open world walking around fetch quests. Very small percentage of this game changes that mechanic completely and it turns it into a Call of Duty type linear campaign. Do you... Now, I know you haven't played this game, but do you find when a game makes such a big change for a small percentage, do you find that off-putting? And I know it's very game-specific, but do you like that that type of immersion breaking to break it up? I think it has to be utilized in a very specific way. I'm trying to think of any examples where I've had like such a big shift happen um, in the middle of the, of the game. Uh, I've seen temporary shifts in some of like the gameplay mechanics. For example, I know we've talked about before uh, Titanfall two with uh, one mission where you get to time travel and you jump between the past and the present and it's very it opens up a lot of interesting scenarios as far as you're running through the mission uh but as far as like a full-on tonal Mm -hmm. shift i think it has to be implemented well uh, for it to work and obviously like you like you said i haven't played it so i'm not sure i mean i'm sure there's more qualified people to really talk about if that was really something that pulled them out of the experience or maybe it was something that piqued their interest because i think too you mentioned like uh, the people that have completed this game is considerably low even for just normal gameplay experience you would think maybe some more people would want to to get through the whole experience but it is one of those things like okay like you said you need to get past those early chapters you need to kind of get in more into this world and i think you also have to be okay with um, some of the stylistic choices that come from the mind of Hideo Kojima because he's <laughs> obviously he's very talented. Um, I just I don't know how many people gel with some yes. of the experiences that he brings together because I know I've even heard people talk about some of the different tonal shifts, for example, in some, maybe one of the Metal Gear Solid games, or also I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't think Metal Gear Rising Revengeance had like a huge tonal shift. Yeah, because um, that was more just action continuously of anything beyond just little shifts in mechanics for a little bit. But I think it can be it can be invigorating and rejuvenating if done well. I don't know how you felt. About- yeah, I agree. I'm not I'm, I'm still not I'm not sure. One of the things that scares me about this game is that I feel the way it's 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 building that the payoff's going to be at the end. But in the back of my mind, and the problem is because mm-hmm. it's not a short game, you know, I think it's going to be 60 to 80 hours here, you know, at least. 
yeah, really. Yeah, and, and the it. problem is when when I look at other games that I've invested in, like the Assassin's Creed, the recent Assassin's Creeds, or the Final Fantasies that are massive games, you, you really enjoy the whole experience, or I need to enjoy the whole experience to invest that much time in. And I, I, have, a, I have a really bad feeling that I may get to the end and feel that it was a waste of time. And I and I think looking at percentages and from what I've read about people that aren't fans of this game, I get that feeling that they invested a lot of time and they just felt that at whatever point they got to, that was the drop-off point for them. They, they'd seen enough because the kick. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting thing. As I said, I, I definitely finish it, but that, that is in the, the back of my mind. And then the, the only other thing I'll throw mm. out this week, only because it's, it's a little bit different. It's very different. And it, again, unfortunately, it will be buried on the store, I feel, is the Operencia, uh, The Stolen Sun. This is by Zen Studios. So this is an RPG adventure. It, it's an old school RPG. It's mm. by an indie studio. And look, you know, it's done on a small budget and they've done a, they've done a really good job. It's not, it's not completely isometric. Uh, it, it's sort of, well, it's difficult to explain because in the battles it becomes isometric it's turn-based uh battles but then in the the normal mm. normal gameplay it's first person so it's a uh, i'm trying to think the bard's tale did, did you ever play that joe or llama have you i think i had a little bit of experience with the first one on pc when i used to be a big steam user i know that the fourth one is out on ps4 as well i mean i saw an in-depth video about that but mm. I believe Xbox just bought that studio, didn't they? That makes that? Yes, which is exciting because, you know, I, I think it'll be exciting to see what they can do with more money. And I really like the way mm. Xbox is going with these type of games. I think, you know, for a long time they haven't had JRPGs or something, but I think I think going this way instead is is very exciting because, yes, they're not they're not Japanese mm. in their humor and their core story, but in every other way they, they play similar, which... I think is I think you know Sony needs to consider, especially you know we mm-hmm. talked about before their their failing yeah. relationships with some Japanese developers through censorship. But I mean that's a, that's a separate issue. But yeah, look, it does it does play a lot like the Bard's Tale. I think the story is a lot better. It's fully voiced. The one problem with this game is that it's hitchy in the graphics. So when you're moving, it's not very stable. So again, you, you'd expect that from you know from from such a massive project from a small studio that was was on a budget but it, it can also be off-putting i don't know and i know this is it sounds like a like i'm whinging here but if you if you found that you got a little motion sickness playing something like suicide guy that type of motion that free motion you're gonna probably have the same problem in that this game which is a shame but other than that it's great uh, you know and and all the commands and things i think it's very at the moment i'm, I'm still early on but it actually seems quite well balanced it's not hugely difficult either which which i approve of so i'm looking to looking to get further mm. into that but it's, it's something different i like that i think so why don't we go across then to some new releases llama and joe and uh who wants to start do you want do you want to start us off here llama yeah, I'll, I'll talk about. I mean, we've already mentioned the the one and only Sharknado VR, so I'm interested to see what people think of that. Uh, yeah, but um, one of the games that I wanted to specifically highlight, and I have a little bit of experience with the previous games in this series, uh, Galaxy of Pen and Paper Plus One Edition. Um, and so the the two previous games uh, in this series were RPGs, but they're built around this mechanic of your your party is essentially you have a dungeon master you have a table in front of you and then you have the different role players and uh, sitting around the table and those are essentially your party members while you're in this fantasy realm and you can customize the classes for each of them Uh, there's certain attributes and uh, other little bonuses or uh, 
what is the word that I'm looking for? Maybe upgrades that you could use by using money to purchase things to sit on the table. I think you could purchase like pizza and would help with health or whatnot in the previous games. Um, and you explore this this big map. You jump between different places. You get quests. All of your your typical RPG tropes um, just kind of turn on its head a little bit with that idea of you are essentially playing as a group of role players and the dungeon master who is guiding this D and D style campaign. Um, and so, Galaxy of Pen and Paper is the third game in this series, and this one has uh, six new playable characters. It has a planets and different biomes to travel to. This is an updated version, so obviously there's going to be a lot of different balancing tweaks. They've got some new achievements and some new features for these people to play in, and additional content, bosses, characters, places to explore. Um, I just think it's one of those games, uh, I should note though, it does not have a platinum. It's purely 100% experience, but I think this is one of those things, and I know I've said this on my own channel, it's worth branching out to, even if you're Typically, someone who just goes for Platinums, I think this is something that's worth branching out to as an RPG. I have had a ton of fun with it, um, with the previous titles before, even on PC. And they've been ones that I've been looking forward to seeing uh, what they're going to do next as far as the studios, what they're going to do next in the future as well. Yeah. That's it's very well said. That's that is interesting. Now, Joe, I'll set you up here a little because neither of us know much about this game, but at, at least you know about its length. And I'm referring here to the form VR game. So this looks like a, I watched a little video on it. Actually, it looks like a decent-ish uh, VR puzzler. It looks quite nice with the move controllers. Joe, you were saying it, it's at quite a short length. Is that right on the Microsoft side? Yeah. So uh, it has a Windows um, 10 version with the mixed reality uh vr headsets for uh windows it's currently on sale for 5.99 i believe it's normally 14.99 i'm not sure if it's going to have a sale price at launch for the playstation i was looking up some stats on uh true achievements for it it's actually the second most completed um vr game on windows 10 by percentage oh, wow it's a one to two hour completion it looks like so can't be that bad as long as the list is the same, yes, <laughs> that's what that is definitely worth checking. It could be maybe maybe one of us will will check that out. We'll have to we'll have to see. Now, Lama, do you have another one there as well? Yes, I have a title called Below, and so this was a game that was originally released in late 2018. It's a roguelike survival based, extremely difficult title, and it involves crafting. It's coming to the PS4 with a brand new mode called explore mode which is a little bit easier um, when i was reading some of it uh, as far as articles and just trying to get a little bit of a sense for the game it's it people are saying that this is probably one of the ones for the masochists of the gamers the, the ones that are willing to step up for a challenge and i know that this has been previously available on other systems but this is the first time it's going to be available on ps4 um, it's a top down you're kind of exploring these different areas there's lots of fog that kind of obscures your vision um, you have to keep track of not only the things that you need necessary for your character weapons, and uh, I'm not sure if there's like food and other types of um, stats that you need to keep in track. Uh, That's what I'm assuming when it says survival game and from the little bit that I've seen of it. Uh, but I think this will be an interesting experience. The The art itself and the music seems absolutely gorgeous as well, and you know that I'm a stickler for I love when a game has just a riveting ost or just something that uh, elevates the gameplay experience because i think that's probably one of the most important elements if you have a good soundtrack um if you even have good sound design that 
can take your experience to new heights. Um, so I'm interested to see what this title looks like when it comes out. I actually played this in, um, cause I went to uh PAX prime, which is PAX West now in, um, mm-hmm. like the summer of, uh, 2015, like way before this game release. Cause it released at the end of 2018 on the Xbox one and PC. So, uh, there's a Microsoft campus, like right. It's either in Seattle or it's like right on the outside of Seattle. And I went to that event with, uh, Smirnov, uh, who's actually the Xbox gamer score leader. Uh, he's a really nice guy, but we, um, we kind of like walked around and we played uh, some ID at Xbox games or whatever. And I'm sure a lot of them are on PlayStation as well. Like this one is, we spent a mm-hmm. good amount of time. Um, the draw Stickman developers like picked our brain for like a really, really long time, like asking about achievements and trophies and stuff like that and how they want and how we go about buying stuff. <laughs> like they talked to us for like an hour. It's good for them though. Cause that shows a, a level of, trust as well they want to get people's opinions outside of their own offices or outside of their own development studio Um, and Mm -hmm. i think that's great because i think i heard when days gone came out uh, there they had like a trophy hunter that they were consulting for the trophy list uh, on that as well or maybe it was a different game we um we did that for um like me and uh a bunch of other people did that for um sea of thieves actually Mm -hmm nice fun fact of the day um <laughs> they didn't listen to one thing that we said <laughs> well, it sounds like there's the other side of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> no we spent like two hours on a call with them and they were talking to us about achievements and like stuff we like and stuff we don't like and like how long does their game need to be for like someone like us to commit to and then like um some of the guys play destiny which like that's a games as a service kind of like sea of thieves is and we're talking about like stuff like that and i'm like oh you need an achievement with like the word booty in it because that would be awesome and i don't think there is one in that game's defense though i mean obviously not the achievement list but the game itself has has improved hugely since the release of that game i don't know if you've if you've played it joe any any time recently but it has it has definitely been developed i have the controller <laughs> it's, it's not surprise. It does not surprise me at all. Now, it's uh, really nice. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> uh, and look, the last one, listeners, I'll drop out. This is not a new game, although it's finally been localized, if you like, to the Western stores. And this is a, a room where art conceals. This is a PSVR game. Has been out on the Asian stores for a while. It is only one list, so there's there's no need to double dip on this one. It's uh it's basically a VR uh, flyover experience if you like. There's three rooms. You sort of fly into the painting. It's a passive experience, and you you fly through the worlds of Monet, Monch, and uh, Van Gogh. And look, I really I'm not sure of the price on it, but I really recommend this game. This is a really good. Well, I mean, it's not really a game in experience. It's a really good way to show people that are not used to VR what the, the benefits of VR are. It, it doesn't require gameplay as such, so so they don't need to be gamers. And it's it's I mean impressionistic painting. Or whatever else it's it's a great it's a great use of the technology it is only a hundred percent it's a very easy hundred percent i mean it probably take you 30 or 40 minutes just just flying through the paintings and then a couple of options in the in the menu but just to just to see what vr can do in a passive experience i think it's it's wonderful and um yeah it's it's lovely so there, there's a bit of something there for everyone i think gentlemen now because, yeah, for sure. Because because Easter is approaching, you know, and and I sat down yesterday, you know, a little a little behind the scenes here, listen. I sat down yesterday and thought, well, we don't have a topic 
you know, listeners, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, we could just balls it and not do a topic, you know, just talk about games. But then I realized it was Easter. And then I thought about these Easter eggs in games. And then, and then Lama and Joe, immediately after I thought about it, I thought, well, I don't remember many, but I know I've seen many <laughs> in games. I'm not, not, yeah. not sure if that's similar for you. But then, then I got on a track, as I, as I like to do, listeners, and just waste, you know, copious amounts of time. And I looked into where Easter eggs originated. Now, we're not, we're not doing a retro dive here or anything. We're going we're gonna to go across to the guys in a second and, and talk about their sort of favorite Easter eggs. But just before we, we jump in there, I thought I'd, I'd bend your ear a little bit to the, the history, if you allow me here of the easter eggs and fascinatingly enough it it occurred well the, the term first occurred in 1979 which you know is, is ironically it's actually before all three of our times <clears throat> only just for some of us yeah. by the atari uh, it was from a, the atari 2600 here and uh, programmed by warren uh robinette this game now the game was called adventure now, I don't know, guys, if you mm. if you know this. I'd heard about this before, but I hadn't done much reading on it uh, till the other I day. I remember the story. Oh, you do know this? Good. Well, you're, sorry, you'll just have mm. to you'll just have to drink your coffee for a moment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> it's it's an interesting story though, because the the companies back in the time, particularly Atari, they didn't give credit to their programmers for for the games they were making, predominantly because they didn't want their programmers to be stolen by other companies, uh, you know, or poached making games. So this particular guy, this Warren Robinette, he 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 believed that they should be given credit, so he hid his name in the in the game now llama this became notoriously known as the gray dot because apparently you move your avatar (laughs) you know about this yeah to a specific pixel and it would reveal his name now that's ingenious don't you think i think that's it's a power move uh, if i may say so (laughs) that just kind of pulling a fast one on his his own uh the people and i know that they found out about it afterwards because you know people spread information Mm. and they weren't too happy about it but I still think that's just an ingenious way to get across it and beat the system a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, they did. That's the interesting thing. They did find out about it after. And ironically, about six months after the game, he moved to another studio. They then found out about <laughs> it subsequently and they ran the numbers and it was going to be too expensive because it really pissed Atari off. It, it was going to be mm-hmm. too expensive for them to fix it. So the, the then uh, director of software development for Atari, this Steve Wright, he coined the term Easter egg. This is the first official coining, if you like, of the term. And he convinced Atari that they should let it go. It was sort of a, almost a nice thing for the fans. And he even went a step further, encouraging them to to do this in future games as well. So this is sort of the the birth of it. It wasn't necessarily the first time of it because now this is a real throwback. I don't think any of us will know this game, but this colossal cave adventure, which was actually the precursor to this adventure game in 1976, it used secret words to unlock commands in the game. And then also in 1977, there was an arcade uh, game here, this Starship One again before our time where if you know this is actually an arcade machine if you actually hit the machine in the right place physically hit it while you're hitting the right combination of buttons in the, the name of the, the the programmer ron would come up and it would say hey ron now what's most fascinating about this this is it, no one discovered this until 2017 which i, I find that's off the charts <laughs> but, <laughs> but i think it's great now we're gonna wow. as i said we're gonna we're going to jump to the guys in a moment, but I've got a couple more for you here that took a while as well. In 1978, the video Whizball, programmed by Bradley Reed, uh, Seths. Uh, now, this wasn't discovered, his name in the game, until 2004 either. So a lot of these things these things can take time. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what your 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 guys are, 
ones in a moment, but but some of these take years and years. And then there's some that are absurd as well. And this is interesting, Joe, because I know this is on the Microsoft side here, but again, perhaps not in your vein. This is the 1997 Age of Empires. There was actually a code you could enter to change the stones from the catapult projectiles to cows. Which, which is it's wonderful. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. But the other thing that I found here, listeners, and I was reading, is that as they evolved, they really embraced the fandom. That was that became the point of them as they were accepted. And then they started to spawn mini games. Now, this is a game I think, well, I know two of the three of us have played, possibly all three of us, the LucasArts Day of the Tentacle. Now, they actually put the, the mm, original, yeah. you know about this as well, yeah, the Manic Mansion into the game. You could play it on a home computer mm-hmm. in the character's room. It's fantastic. Now, what about this they're one? Ingenious. They're ingenious, aren't they? This one here, this one, yeah. I mean, this is perhaps the most famous code, technically an Easter egg. It came, the Konami code. Which, which game did this come from? Does anyone remember? Uh, Contra? Not or Contra. Before that. Before that, actually, Castlevania. Not Castlevania. It was left in by mistake. He forgot. uh, He forgot to take it out. It was Gradius, was the the first one, and he and he left in. Obviously, it's gone on become become famous. uh, Famous Konami. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one. Now, I found this fascinating. I know we have a few Sonic fans uh, as listeners here, but sometimes these Easter eggs were used to to rectify problems with the game itself to help get through certification. So obviously, you know, b- back in the 90s, uh, the, the certification through getting through Sega through America and, and also Sega Japan was, was challenging. There was a lot of back and forth. And this uh, Sonic 3D Blast, what they did was they knew there was a problem with the game, but they needed to push it through and they could, could try and fix it later. So what they did to, to convince them that it was okay was they, they found this system that when, if the game did, did crash in effect, if there was an unidentified process error, you could hit or slap the corner of the console and it would jolt the cartridge enough to bring you back to the the menu select and they could get around it otherwise there was no no known workaround at the time so that became a a standard easter egg practice for that game isn't that fantastic that's (laughs) once again just one of those methods you don't think about the the, the ingenuity of these these older developers yeah sure Yeah, working with the limitations of the time. But let's, yeah. Joe, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're like, well, you know, how old is CJ to remember this time so well? But uh, why don't we go to your your favorite Easter egg or Easter eggs, Joe? So um, you sent us a list to go through, and I thought the entire thing was garbage. Well, no, it was just before your time, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those games were newer on there. Yeah, so uh, I managed to find three. Uh, I did a lot of research today at work um, while I was kind of looking around. One is in a PC game that I have actually uh, never heard of from the late 90s. It's called Blood, and it looks like... Oh, I love Blood. Yeah, and it looks like in um like the maze, there's a reference to The Shining, and there's actually like a Jack Torrance mm-hmm. like at the end of the maze, all frozen, like holding the axe, and you could shoot him, which that's one of my favorite movies um, from when I was a kid. And I also just recently watched Doctor Sleep as well. Ooh. I still have that on the cards, yeah. Lama, would you like to throw out one or two sure uh real quick i love blood that's fantastic for me is i love horror games and horror video games so um actually on the subject of horror and how much i love that uh, i have one of an infamous easter egg from uh, the resident evil 2 uh, both the older one that was released uh, on ps1 
and as well as the remake. And so I think most people will know this one. Um, but as a huge fan of the Resident Evil series, I felt like I would have been doing an injustice if I hadn't included this on favorite Easter eggs. And so in the original Resident Evil 2, you could uh, enter into the star's office and by clicking 50 times on Albert Wesker's desk and that you would get a little bit of a, a camera roll uh, that needed to be developed. And this would have a picture of one of the characters, Rebecca Chambers, and she's one of the main characters of Resident Evil Zero, which was kind of like the prequel, and you can get it as part of the Origins collection. And so most people didn't find this out because when you click on the desk at least once, I can't ex remember exactly what it says, but it basically seems like, okay, you're not going to find anything interesting. And I don't know who had the thought to sit there and click on this thing 50 times uh, until they got something out of it. Um, but it turns out that in the recent remake of Resident Evil 2, they brought this Easter egg over. Um, and instead of clicking 50 times on the desk, because that's not longer possible, you can position yourself in such a way on the left side of the desk, uh, if you're facing the door from the desk, and the desk is like on your right. Um, if you look in the left side, there's a cabinet that's open at the bottom, and aiming just in a particular spot, you pick, a, pick up another camera roll um, from Albert Wesker's desk with another picture of Rebecca Chambers on this. So I thought that was a pretty interesting Easter egg to shout out from that series. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. I like. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack you here for a second with a Resident Evil Four one, and, yeah, and I wonder if you do you know about this one, or are you uh, gonna do this one? No, I didn't have it on mine, so you go ahead. But okay, well, I only tag it on just because you mentioned Resident Evil Two. Now, I found this fascinating. This took twelve years apparently to find, and this is the the man in the green jacket. Mm -hmm. So apparently, after the the helicopter, this is spooky. After the helicopter crash sequence, uh, this man in the green jacket can be seen in like a non playable area in the background. Now, mm -hmm. it's very it's very difficult to make out or something or whatever else, but he is there apparently, and he's also holding a sign. Now, it's a bit of conjecture of what the sign actually says, but but there is no valid reason, apparently, for him to be there, which is <laughs> it's just fantastically creepy. I love it. <laughs> You'll need to do some different options and even get, like, your hands on a sniper rifle to be able to zoom in just to get, a, like, a glimpse of whatever yes. it could be saying. Um, that's just mm. genius. I don't know. I love it when it's developers do something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have another one for us? Um, yeah, I can do – I'm going to – I'll save – the battlefield ones till the end because i got a couple yeah. that i just want to quickly shout out but um another four title i guess while we're on this this role um all this one isn't as scary as something maybe like resident evil is uh from doom 3 and this is an easter egg that can be found both in the original doom 3 and in the recent reboot so i guess i did two games that you could kind of find them in both versions but that's okay and doom 3 you can get to this arcade cabinet and one of the first times that you'll be able to play this a particular game called super Super Turbo Turkey Puncher 3 is when you make your way into the break room. And there's a little bit of an Easter egg. I don't think many people will have noticed this, is that by sitting there and punching turkeys until you get to a total of 25,000 points, you'll get an achievement uh, for apparently wasting the game's time and just you know taking some leisure time. And you'll also get a message on your PDA uh, from the organization in the game docking your pay for wasting company valuable company time for just sitting there and punching turkeys um and i wasn't able to quite see if there was something kind of similar as far as an email or anything that you could get in the new one because i haven't played that myself but i do know that it is playable in the new uh, doom 2016 i'm not sure about doom eternal that one that's been recently released but i'm sure either someone's found it or will find it quite soon 
That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So the other interesting thing about these Easter eggs then is, and I wasn't sure if this was an Easter egg, so I'm, I'm going to slip it in here anyway, because I have to slip something from Final Fantasy 15 in. And this was sort of the product placement here and the Nissan Cup noodles. So these made quite a big appearance, Lamarajo, throughout the game for no real reason. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it's one of those fantastic things where the camera zooms in so you can see exactly exactly <laughs> the brand or anything. But, but they even take it next level and there's actually a quest, a, a full quest, that's all to do with Gladius's love of these noodles, yeah. And he, he goes into a, a monologue about how he's loved them his whole life and stuff, which I think, you know, again, it's optional content. But uh, so I mm-hmm. suppose it technically does fit in. But I think I think that's fantastic. And then that's just beautiful. Uh, it, it is, it, it is. And then, of course, now the one that's a real mind bender for me because I'm I'm slowly working my way through Alan Wake and and Quantum Break at the moment, having played Control, mm. is that in Control there's there's a ton of documents. There's documents everywhere in this game, mm-hmm. and there are there's a series of documents that specifically reference the other Remedy games, particularly Alan Wake, but also Max Payne and Quantum Break. And they basically overall, and this is not a spoiler, they overall suggest that the game uh, the games are all set in the same world. That's what it's basically implying. Which is, you know, it's a bit of a mind trip. If you're, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those games, Lama, but they're, you know, they're on edge enough as it is. But it, they're obviously going to, you know, potentially tie all this in it someday down the future. Which I think, and, and these are particularly hidden ones. I think is mm-hmm. is fantastic. I was thinking because I know uh, I've seen this as well that in Alan Wake, uh, you have the collectibles, which are the thermos, the thermoses that you collect with the coffee and whatnot, um, which. I love coffee, but also like in Control, you can find one of the thermoses from the Alan Wake game. I'm interested to see what other references there might be, uh, considering that they just released the first DLC pack, The Foundation. I'm not sure if anybody has maybe particularly spotted something that could be in reference to one of those previous games or whatnot, but I'm sure there's plenty of people with very keen vision and just being able to point out these little things and make connections very quickly. So I'm interested to see what will get picked out among the new DLC and however long that takes as an experience to complete. So Joe, do you have another one for us? Uh, I do. Um, and I'm kind of upset because uh, I just heard Lama talking about Alan Wake and that's definitely one of my favorite games. So uh, CJ, uh, I don't do this a lot with you, but uh, I am a big fan of uh, sharing memes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually there's one in uh Life is Strange um with the like oh, surprise man. dog with the bug eyes. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, if you, no um, I don't know. Oh, like the little like light brown colored dog or whatever where his like mouth is wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll have to show it to you guys, but um the if you read your uh like emails or your messages in um Life is Strange, you can like see it kind of like in like a Twitter feed or something similar mm-hmm. to it like the game's equivalent to it and you just see like the surprise dog mm-hmm. like like a little cartoon version of it <laughs> that is that is fantastic is beautiful now i have one here for you joe because i know you're you're a fan of the Ar- the Ar- arkham games now was it arkham asylum you played recently or yes. was it one of the other ones okay so i found this interesting i don't know if you already knew about this one though I, i'm not as familiar with the game as you but apparently the quincy sharps office it took three years to find and it actually came via a leak from the developer uh, a fake wall, if you like, that, that couldn't be scanned or whatever else with the bat scan, and it, it needed a combination of explosives to open it. Are you familiar with this room? Uh, I am. I've never personally done it, but I remember seeing it when it came out. Yeah. 
Yeah, apparently it had like it had leaks, you know, and, and pictures and things that referenced the sequel, Arkham City, at the time, which is fantastic. <laughs> I yeah. love, I love that. And then look, I know, I know, Lama's got a couple here, but I thought I'd I'd sneak this one in because I don't think he's going to do this one. And you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of flavor at the time. Although I think these are very well known. This is Uncharted Four, of course, and it has numerous mm. references here to The Last of Us, if you like. And but I I knew about the poster. I think we all knew about the poster or whatever. Mm. Uh, or whatever but the other two that that surprised me was this savage starlight poster which was a, the comic apparently that ellie reads in the last of us there's a, a poster for that in uncharted 4 but the biggest mind spin for me was apparently in chapter six uh the brothers drake are uh, in the uh living room if you go upstairs in the living room on a table there's a statue a statue of a native person pointing his bow and arrow upwards now the same statue is in full size in the last of us dlc mm connections there yeah i know i know i I played both and i would know like i would have never found that but i think that that's interesting as well isn't it yeah yeah. now llama do you sure actually i want to shout out real quick i i don't think it counts as an easter egg but i thought about mentioning this before uh i love that the developers put in the little trophy for the stage fright (laughs) just to kind of poke fun at themselves (laughs) with the whole situation that happened when they were doing the demo i just think that's ingenious and that was gave me a laugh because i wasn't even aware of that until i started playing the game myself uh, but that's great. Um, as yeah. far as great Easter eggs too, I think a lot of Easter egg hunters really look forward to new Battlefield games because a lot of the maps have some pretty interesting Easter eggs for them. And so I have a collection of uh, three of them. I'm going to mention two of them, and I'll go into a little bit of grander detail uh, with the third one that I have. But one of the first ones that I have is tied to Hardline, which I think is funny because we mentioned this earlier in the podcast about this game. Um, but in Hardline, one of the single-player missions, you can actually get a, you could pick up an alligator and use it as like a gun, quote unquote, uh, for your character, which I think is amazing. You just basically, there's one mission where you have to run around, and you have to find three skinned rabbits, and then you kind of drop those off near a pond uh, where it tells you, and you could pick up this alligator and use it to go ham on your enemies. So I think that was fantastic. Um, if anybody is interested, you can look up Battlefield 5 Crab Rave Easter egg, and you'll find a nice one. Uh, that requires you to do a couple things around a uh, map. Uh, one of the things involved it is finding records and then playing those at separate points. And these little crabs will kind of uh, come out and then they'll all uh, spawn back in this one particular area in front of the statue. And there'll be a bunch of like uh, lasers and lights and just fire and all this crazy stuff as they start dancing to a rave song. And one of my favorites, uh, I think is hilarious. And I, uh, I envy the people that discovered this because this must have been quite a shock. It takes place in Battlefield 4 on the map Nansha Strike. I think I pronounced that right, but we'll see. Um, and this is called the Megalodon Easter Egg. And so with this, you need to get a certain amount of players. I'm not sure how many is typically required, but um, in the video that I watched, it almost looked about like 10 players were all gathered around this singular uh, buoy that's within one of the waters on the outskirts of the map. And when they were doing that, uh, when you gather 10 people around this, you'll hear a noise and a giant megalodon jumps out of the water and completely crushes anybody that is standing in that particular spot. Now, I've seen people that have gotten multiple different shots of this. So there's some people that have recorded the, the shark falling on top of them, where there's been others that have been able to capture the full majestic glory of getting crushed by this giant shark uh, by circling around in a helicopter where it is. And I'm pretty sure if you got too close to the helicopter, it would also kill you in your vehicle. Um, but I think Battlefield has got some great things. There's other there's other Easter eggs that we could 
obviously talk about, but uh, those are some of the ones that popped out to me at least. Wow, that's next. That's next level as well. It, it's it's funny that you talk about how people find things because the the next two or the last two that I have, they're 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 real mind benders again for me. And the first one from GTA Five, I'm sure we've all played a bit of GTA Five, or you know at least we we've got some experience with it in one way or another. And I'm referring here to the Sasquatch. Now I don't know, I don't know if either of you have seen the Sasquatch in the game, Lama. Have you uh, come across him? Uh- Yes, I have. And he's <laughs> quite a character. <laughs> he is. Well, I was reading about him and players discovered him and they discovered him through these uh, pi- peyote plants that sort of led to him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's all they thought there was. But then then some people went into the code in the game to do further research. So, <laughs> so that's just a level I can't even comprehend. <laughs> and they found that it's just, it's a lot more than old Sasquatch here. It, the, the peyote plants actually lead you on a, a treasure trail, if you like, a hunt all the way through. Now, if you follow it to the end, you'll also get this Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf costume in the game. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but that's fantastic. That level of detail that I just... <laughs> Data miners find everything. There's nothing that you can from them. Yeah. Well, it, it almost poses the question, what else is still to be found if stuff like this is hidden uh, so deep in the, the code? And then I found this one. I'm going gonna, gonna to wrap out with this one, listeners. And I like this one because it's a game that I wouldn't have expected to have this, and it also has a real-world crossover. And this is Trials Evolution. Now, I'd never heard of this, but apparently there's a, there's a highly mathematical... Um, analysis if you like and they call it a spectral analysis which is you know above my intelligence level um and it it involves of a code within the game it involves deciphering some morse code as well and all this sort of thing and it it translates to real now if you're familiar with this game it's a racing game you know a side-scrolling racing game but it's it's got uh, codes apparently and coordinates that have been found in the game that lead to actual boxes in the real world that have keys in them. Now, some of these boxes have actually been discovered by people uh, through this method, and apparently the next one they've uncovered uh, is to be, apparently it's come with the code or whatever, that it's going to appear under the Eiffel Tower in 2113. So, you know, I don't I don't think any of us are going to be here. Well, you, you <laughs> yeah. might be Lama, Joe, I'm not sure, but I don't think I'm going to be here to find that out. But apparently, so far, the, the ones they've found have led to this. Now, I'd never heard of this. So this is really breaking the fourth wall of Easter eggs, I find, I think. I think you can't really raise the bar much more than that. So it's going to no. be interesting to see <laughs> what you can do else beyond that. Yeah. I think that's going to take a really, like, you know, by that time, hundreds, a hundred years or less than a hundred years from now, but still a pretty long time. Uh, this game is going to be a lot older, uh, <laughs> and then we'll probably be a couple inter- iterations into the trial series on its own. So I'll be interested to see if it, uh, if people are still on top of this thing. I'm sure they will. Um, I'll be but, interested to you know, see if the, I'll be interested to see if the PS5 is launched by then, Joe. What do you reckon? uh hopefully yeah (laughs) i I hope so as well so there you go listeners that was a bit of fun i'm sure i'm sure you have you have a stack of ones as well there are a couple of people in our uh discord community that shared with us so of course if that's something that interests you in the future by all means check out check out the discord it is in the the show notes but i'll just uh if i can quickly gentlemen if you'll allow me to we'll just take a quick look and uh, zadol vp producer here he mentions from hitman first now i'm not familiar with this i'm not sure if either of you two are hitman to the musenado musenado is anyone familiar with this one i'm not 
I'm familiar with some of the Easter eggs and some of the later games. I'm not sure about uh, this on its own. Mm, look, it sounds fantastic, though. Musonado. So, look, we'll look into that. But that's one of his favorites. He also goes with Guybrush uh, statue and skin from Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2. Of course, there's also a Guybrush Easter egg in Uncharted 4, too, mm-hmm. uh, one of the portraits. So that guy does yeah. that guy does get around. And yeah. I think, yes. <laughs> and then we've got here, Afraid of the Folly shared one with us here. He liked the, one of the treasures in Uncharted, Uncharted being a precursor orb from Jack yeah. and Daxter. And you also have the Firefly pendant from Last of Us as well as one of the, ah, the treasures that you can find. Interesting, interesting. There you go. Well, you know, if you'd like to share with us your ones, jump in the Discord and and do do listeners like what we'll do now, guys. Because I've I've kept you here for so long, I do apologize. But we've just got to we've got to do a little bit of the housekeeping, and that involves the shout outs for the Push to Plat Platinum Club. Now, this club is available on the PS4. Look, my understanding is the app, the community app, is basically gone now on Android and iOS. It's been removed, so I know it's getting more difficult, perhaps, to post your platinum picks there. You can, of course, do it straight from the ps4 console but if it's easier we also have a thread in the discord which you you can post so gentlemen i don't know some of these games but if you have any comments or you'd like to jump in please do as i as i go through the first one to start us off today is ed the shed platinum number 79 fatal 12 that's a it's a vn of sorts i believe that's a very easy vn ed the Mm. shed Uh, joe this one will probably interest you into the future i've never even heard of that gonna like it there's not many choices it's a funny thing it, it's a bending of uh the story itself is not too bad actually it's uh, uh basically what happens is everyone should have it's a little bit like final destination the movie if you like everyone should have died on this train but they they're spared and they're given five days if you like i think it's five days to continue living but each day somebody has to die and so you sort of through your text choices you, it leads to this high council if you like and at the end of the day depending on who you're your your alliances with you sort of vote on who's going to die and your aim obviously is to make it to the true ending to make it through to the end if you read it mm-hmm. Ed, which i have a feeling you probably didn't but uh, if you did i would re- you know if you're interested i would recommend it it's quite, <laughs> quite good then hockey 2 for number 80 the na stack really appreciate it i think that i will continue playing this title some more well, there you go hoggy 2 why not Zador VP, number 459, The Casebook of Arcady Smith. Uh, and he did write a guide for that as well. And Joe, that is, uh, we could classify that as spam, thanks to his guide. So you can add that to the Ooh. list. Yes, I think. He's writing it down right now. Yeah, he is he, a little bit of a funny story here, Lama. He, he won't appreciate that I share this, but anyway, you know, it's too late now. And it's got one of these uh, arcade runner trophies at the start. So we were just going to mm-hmm. sidebar here. I apologize, listeners. And it, it can be a little bit difficult, I suppose, if you're not used to it. But the rest of the game is really, really simple. So as a result, that's pushed the guide number right up. I don't know how you feel about that, you know, if, if one part of a game is difficult. Uh, I don't know if you find that much because I know you play a lot of difficult games mm-hmm. where the, the, maybe the guide number is inflated because of just one small part of the game. Yeah. I mean, I can I know it can be annoying too. I've played a couple of games where it's just a sudden spike in difficulty. You're like, wait, where did this come out of? And I've also had a couple easier quote-unquote experiences that I actually found quite difficult for myself. And that can be... Um, I think Square Boy versus Bullies was one that I played, oh, and that's yes. one of the the few spam games that I have on my account. But I've only done it once because I, for some reason, my brain was just not wrapping around some of the combat, yeah. and I was getting 
owned and i was like okay i don't know about this no doing this again that's not you that's the game i can i can assure you with that yeah <laughs> okay i'm glad because i was like man like <laughs> yeah it's not, not you think you're platinum theory and you can do you know these other really hard experiences no. but well we've discussed this is definitely a topic for another time but you perhaps are too skilled for spam games that that's is an issue you know joe and i are very lucky yeah. we are low skilled <laughs> no. so we we fit perfectly into the target market for these no. sort of games <laughs> We have no problems. Uh, then we have Teresa Bricks 2 and Unicorn Princess 100%. That's a lovely title, that Unicorn Princess. Takes a while, but lo- lovely Unicorn too. I hope you enjoyed that. Sounds majestic. It, it, it really Congrats is. Congrats to that part. It really is, yeah. The Mind is a City, Mindy. Uh, my Dalmatian Donkey and I won the championship. Well, you, you could take that a lot of ways, I suppose. But <laughs> she's referring here to my little riding champion, which is surprisingly challenging. That That is true. And I think that has an obnoxious trophy where you have to sit on the horse for 24 hours or something uh, just to leave your system on because that's that's always fun. That doesn't sound comfortable. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. I feel sorry for that, that rider. For that donkey as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then Azuravon, uh, number 41, uh, Doom Eternal. Oh, we're getting some serious stuff coming through now. EDJ3DG, uh, Resident Evil HD. This was my uh, intended screenshot. Only to be disappointed with a blank screen. Well, that's also an interesting topic for another day. Why are so many platinum pictures just black screens? Do you get this same phenomena, Joe and Lama? I'll let Joe go first on this one. Um... Not really. Okay, then I. I Joe's games are over so quickly. There is no black screen. (laughs) I think one good example that I can turn to as far as like pictures, because I've turned off my pictures for a little bit of time, because it would just like I don't look back at them. Uh, I'd rather not just have them, and it's nice when I'm streaming where I don't have to have a black box pop up because I don't have a capture card that could support that. Um, so I gotten rid of them um for that time being, but uh, I know I've turned them on for a couple games as well, like some of the Uncharted games and whatnot. I don't know if I still have those pictures, but uh, one game that I want to shout out, though, Days Gone, because whoever did the trophies planned them to pop in such a way that whenever you look back at the pictures, I don't think there's any black screens involved with any of the trophies that pop in that game. So whoever was in charge of doing the trophies and whoever was in charge of that really brought into consideration, like, we want to make sure that when people look back at these pictures related to their trophies they're thinking about some of the experiences or maybe some of the plot points that they pass through on the way there um and so i think that's just phenomenal i think that's something that i would like to see more uh, either with the end of the ps4 or the beginning of the ps5 um, that'd be kind of cool and that would definitely influence me and like wow i want to turn back on pictures again because it's not just gonna be a bunch of black screens anymore yeah, a lot of the garbage I play is just very uneventful. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Used to think that too, because, you know, then I know some people are into staging certain plot shots as well. And, and I understand if they're story-based, mm-hmm. they could potentially be spoilers. But a lot of the game, the last, you know, not all the trophies are. So, yeah, it, it could be. I like that idea, Lama. It could definitely be done. That, that shows a, a bit more commitment. I've noticed that a lot of the VNs don't have that option. Mm. Like every time I... No, it's just like every time I pop, like I have it like set up or whatever, because um, like I do it with the um, with the, like the indie select games. Like I try it like every time I unlock a trophy, I try it and use that to like share them mm. or like uh on Twitter. And um, whenever like I play a VN on the PS4 or whatever, and it tries to take like a screenshot, it's like, oh, this feature is disabled. This feature is disabled. This feature is disabled. And like wow. sometimes, yes, yeah, no. Sometimes you sometimes you play the VNs and like you know you get like eight trophies at once. So then you get a trophy and then the message pops up. And then you get a trophy and then the message pops up. Yeah. And it's just like, it's 
It's obnoxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Japanese developers are notorious for blocking their cutscenes. I mean, right, right from mainstream products like Kingdom Hearts through Ko- uh, Koei Tecmo games all the all the way to VN. Mm. I mean, even Arc System does it with its cutscenes often. So, yeah, that that is a that is that is, that is a notorious fact uh, of life. Uh, then Redbeard Rick number one hundred and thirty three Fallout New Vegas and a hundred percent. That sounds massive. A beautiful game. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. Too big for me. That is my favorite. One of my favorite RPGs. So oh, uh, claps for him. Congratulations. Sir. Dino Raw. We're almost there. We're almost there. Dino Raw number 959 Null Drifter uh, and number 958 Null Drifter as well. I, I imagine he's done this four times by now. So just all the 950s and early 60s, we'll say. Uh, a fun and easy twi- uh, twin stick shooter. Uh, 15 to 20 minutes, although I think he might have got a 14 minutes on one. I see he was the top achiever the other day. So congratulations, sir. And then we'll oh, nice we'll wrap. Although just be careful, sir, because I believe Joe picked that up recently and he'll be coming for you with that sort of a time. And then the <laughs> last one today, Joe, which we've talked about. Congratulations again, sir. Number 300, Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams. Don't try. Yeah, you like how I did that with that 69% too, totally by accident? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I was going to send you a photo, but I was not organized enough this morning. Do you know how many followers we have on Twitter at the moment? I do not. 69. The number is everywhere, man. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But anyway, it's, it's an inside joke that it's becoming outside, I suppose, now. Uh, look, I'd like to thank so much Lama, uh, Lawless Lama today for joining us. I really enjoy the conversation. Oh, me too. So it's fantastic. And I and appreciate the time that you give. If our audience is trying to find you and your wonderful content, where can they do so? Uh, so I have a YouTube channel. This is exactly the same, Lawless Llama. I know there's another one that has it without the underscore, but I'm the one with the underscore, and it should be pretty nice. I have a picture of my llama person, whatever, on there. Uh, so you can definitely find me through there. I post uh, content at least twice a week, or I try to. just depends on how my schedule is with uni and everything that obviously is a priority for me. Um, and also, uh, whether it be through some of the video titles or maybe you just see it on Reddit, I have a Discord that's open for anybody to join. Uh, we try to keep it very positive uh, as long as my content and whatnot. And so we would love to see there, have some good discussions. And I'm also part of the Push to Plat Discord, which is an amazing Discord, and I love being in there. So definitely join that, and we can chat there. Thank you. Now, I have to ask, do you, is your backlog too long now for, for reviews in waiting, or are you still taking submissions for PSN user reviews? I am still taking submissions. Those won't stop. Um, so I just asked to be patient because I do have a lot of them. And uh, some of the reviews recently have been like two to three hours, which is fine. Uh, but uh, just with that, uh, we'll be, I'm going to try and push out a compilation video next week with some of the smaller accounts. But definitely, uh, definitely feel free to ask me. Uh, all I ask is that you just put a comment with your username down below for the PSN ID, and then you can privately message me on Discord if you have any fun facts that you would like me to mention at the beginning of the reviews. And Joe, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at CoolKidJoeXBL, and on PlayStation and Xbox, I am CoolKidJoe, and you can also find me in the push to flat uh, Discord server. i am been a little bit more social in there. I've been trying to. I don't like Discord that much. Um, just be, like I use it when I'm on my PC, when I'm playing games, but like if I'm on my phone, and like you message me, CJ, I will not get it until like I get home. No, that's understandable. Well, maybe we'll see some more memes from you in the future. I would, I would enjoy that. Uh, in there, and 
they're, they're a little raunchy. <laughs> That's all we, we, we can we can make do. We'll make a channel. There's so many channels there already. We'll just make another one. I don't know. I, 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 I think I might violate some rules. Oh, okay. Well, no, you can't do that then. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I do. I do want to thank you, Joe, for joining us. It's wonderful to get a little bit of balance here with the Xbox love as well. I've appreciated that today. So, listeners, if you're trying to find the show, it is available on all good podcast providers. If you'd like to reach out to myself, Mindy, Joe, or look, even Lama, because he's in the Discord, can do so via the Discord, which will be in the show notes. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at push the number two, push two plat, or send us an email at push to plat at gmail.com if you'd like to get your platinum shouted out jump into the ps4 community it's a free community where you can post your pictures or again you can post them in the discord so have a wonderful wonderful week i hope you had a wonderful easter as well listeners i hope the trophy hunting is acceptable at this time i understand there's some good games dropping around now i hope look i just hope for the future i think we're in a very unique position and i think perhaps that is that's all we can do that and and keep smiling there you go yeah until next week have a wonderful week thank you joe thank you llama thank you see push to plat podcast would like to thank our patreon producers zador vp and olcero along with all of our other patreons they provide us the opportunity to bring you this weekly show if you like what you hear, why don't you check us out on Patreon at Push to Plat Podcasts. 